I came into ministry in my mid-30s. Right. I, I left school at 16, um, trained as a child surveyor, um, left uh, a business to go into ministry when I was in my mid-30s. And always, um, from that point, felt it a huge privilege uh, and a passion. I think it was my heart passion as well. So I really missed business. It was, it was something I missed all the cut and thrust of that. But um, I've always felt this to be something, um, just, just a huge privilege. Hello and welcome to Independence, the FIEC podcast. My name is Adrian Reynolds. I'm the Head of National Ministries for the FIEC. And I'm here with, let me see if I can get the name right, I don't want to get it wrong, Trevor Archer. That's right, Trevor. That's right. It's uh, right, Adrian. yes. It's yes. Trevor correct. Archer, who, um, as we record this, is our director for London, but soon to be no more. Extinct. Um, as a director for London. I hope you still have a few years left in you, have you, Trevor? I hope so. Yes, I hope so too. <laughs> um, and we're here just to talk about lessons from ministry, really. Trevor, how long have you been in ministry? Uh, probably 40 45 years. 45 years. So um, it's fair to say you've picked up one or two tips over that period. Hopefully. One or two observations. Knock some bruises. Um, and- you're still going, which is testament to God's grace rather than anything else, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> so it, it's good for us just to reflect on that, to reflect on life, to reflect on how the Lord has brought us this thus far, and actually just the things we've learned along the way. There's, there's something to learn, I think, from our elders. You are, Trevor, my elder. Um, not actually physically in a church setting, but you are my elder in terms of age, and I'm very glad to sit at your feet and have done for many years, listen to you, and to learn and um, you, you've written down a whole list of things here, which I think is a book, and we're going to turn it into a half-hour podcast episode. Okay. So, so thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Um, and I notice uh, down here that you've said nothing about family or nothing about your family. You've been supported all the way through your ministry by a wonderful wife. Absolutely. And not everybody who listens and is in ministry is married, of course. Some people are single, and some people's marriages work in different ways. But I think it's fair to say, and I've heard you say this, hope you don't mind me saying it, that, that Val's been a really important part of your ministry journey. Absolutely vital. I, yeah. uh, I always say to people, where I see uh, a man flourishing in church ministry, I know the reason, humanly speaking, if they're married, and that's his wife. Uh, so without Val and her support, there's no way I could have been this amount yeah. of time yeah. in ministry. And, and actually, those who are... Um, those who are married should always be investing in marriages. That's really important, isn't it? And those who are single should be investing in friendships. Those kinds of things are, are really important. Anyway, let's get to your list. Um, you you just wrote one in on the way. You wrote an extra one in on the on this list on the way in today, um, which may have you may have written in because um, the trains were so bad. It's a it's something about a sense of humour being necessary for um, church ministry. Anybody who knows you, Trevor, will be surprised at that. You are a very, very sober, sober guy. I've always. <laughs> this is it. I mean, Richard Underwood and I had the ambition of putting the fun back in fellowship, but uh, we failed, I'm afraid. But uh, nevertheless, individually, we keep going. Good. Well, uh, why is a sense of humour important? Well, in essence, I, I was. It's this: is that we take the gospel desperately seriously, yeah, because it is desperately serious and joyous and wonderful. But we don't take ourselves so serious because at the end of the day, we're sinners saved by grace. So God knows what we like. God knows our failings. God knows our weaknesses. However, could we become too serious about ourselves, too pompous or whatever? And But also, humor gives you a perspective. Uh, I think that without that 
people struggle sometimes in ministry. You've got to see the funny side of ministry, the bizarre side of all of us. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you're involved in people's lives, you, you have. If you don't laugh, you just cry all the time. I think that's part of it as well. I mean, there are different kinds of humour, aren't there? I, I don't think there's been much slapstick. In, <laughs> oh, it's till time. In ministry. I've got another still- <laughs> month to go. <laughs> I can arrange that for yeah. you. But you, you, your seat will collapse in a moment. It, it, it may, well, <laughs> I'm a bit worried it's going to be like Mr. Bean, yeah. um, you know, or Rowan Axam's going to sort of, sort of descend down on. And, but, but you're absolutely right. You know, we mustn't take ourselves too seriously, but we must take the gospel seriously. Mm. And that's absolutely right, isn't it? And and, and I think there are too many people for whom you just feel that that's the wrong way round. Actually, they they don't take the gospel particularly seriously. They're a bit casual about the tasks that they're given, um, which which is manifested in all kinds of different ways. It's manifested in prayerlessness, isn't it? it? It's manifested in, you know, not taking relationships and working relationships seriously. We'll come on to that. But actually, it is, it is manifested primarily in making much of yourself. Hmm. Yeah. And Sadly, we see a lot of that around, yeah. and that innate is in us all, isn't it? Yeah, and it is. We can camouflage it and so on, but I think um, uh, I think the more you journey on, I was reminded of Newton's um, supposedly deathbed. Um, two things I've learned: I'm a great sinner, but I have a great saviour. Yeah, yeah, and um, so I think it's it's having that before you each day really gives. The necessary perspective, and of course, you 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 can have the outward appearance of success, making much of yourself, and and that's that's what we see in very worldly worldly terms, both inside the church and outside the church. Actually, by bigging yourself up, by especially if you have a, a natural extrovert nature, perhaps, or a particular character that attracts people, you you can make a an apparent success of ministry, can't you? You can mm. you can build a congregation, let's say, rather than build a church. You can build a congregation by being, you know, full of yourself. Um, but actually it doesn't build, doesn't build a church, does it? It doesn't build gospel work. No, and I think if um, we look back on our lives, as I do, uh, and ask yourself the question, who has most profoundly affected you? Uh, then almost invariably it's those people that have had that um, – yeah, that humour about them, but more more especially that um, humility yeah. and God-centredness. Yeah. So the best bit of advice I was ever given was by uh, the guy who was my predecessor at Chesington as the, as the pastor, Andrew Davis, uh, who, when I was embarking upon Christian ministry, uh, said to me, Trevor, always look for where the spirit is at work. Uh, and that's always stayed with me. So his point was this, that you can invest a lot of time and expend a lot of energy uh, in trying to just keep things going or keep people going where there's little or no real spiritual life or appetite. Whereas amongst those people where that is evident, um, then put your energies there. Uh, And that's a, a a bit of advice that's always stayed with me. Uh, what does that look like in church life, then, Trevor? Well, I think just look where um, where is God at work. Where, where amongst people, young or old, is there an appetite for God? Is there a seriousness about uh, following Christ, about being His disciple? Mm. Is there a, is there a readiness to serve people? And I think um, I always remember uh, one young man who got wonderfully converted came to. Uh, a baptismal service because somebody had knocked on his door the day before and was converted there and then. Mm. Incredible. And um, rang me up the next day 
And uh, he said, oh, I went home last night. Um, he'd been living with this girl who was, the, as, it, as it happened, was a daughter of an elder of a church down on the south coast. And uh, he said to her, uh, I'm sleeping on the settee tonight. She said, why on earth? He explained, I've become a Christian. Can't sleep with you anymore. And he rang me up the next day and said, Trevor, I have an issue with women. I want you to know that um, if you see me acting inappropriately towards women, I want you to come down on me like a ton of bricks. And this was like a one-day-old Christian. <laughs> yeah. And you think, this is amazing because this is evidence of God at work because there's, there's a ready humility, repentance, uh, willingness to be uh, – disciplined, discipled in the right way, uh, which sadly you can see people 10, 20 years down the track where that's almost the last thing they'd say to you is anything mm. like that. So I think that's the kind of thing that Andrew had in yeah, mind. Yeah, I see. How, how do you balance that though? Let me just, I just want to um, explore that a little bit more. How do you balance that with, you know, some people are just slow burners. Uh, we both know that in pastoral ministry, that actually you, you expend a huge amount of energy on them. They don't seem to make much progress. But actually, over time, over 10 years, you look at their lives, they actually they have grown as a Christian, but it's, it's kind of slow growth, but they have grown as a Christian. So, you, want, uh, you know, pastorally, we do want to be investing in those sorts of people as, as well, don't we? How, how do you make sure you don't... It sounds like you're just writing them off. <laughs> that's, no. a bit, that's a bit of a harsh assessment of what you're saying. But, you know, how, how do we make sure we don't neglect people like that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't mean that to be um, harsh in that way because I think there's the whole issue of patience, isn't yeah, it? And, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I often... People so, have been patient with you, Trevor. That's the this is the thing. and me. That's what we've got to remember. So one of the one of the great stories I, I love. I once went to the Philippines with um, a guy called Andy Wyatt, who was an elder at Chesington, and uh, we were visiting a couple that had gone out there to serve with OMF. And in the Philippines, they love their t-shirts, and the climate lends itself to it. So Andy and I are walking down this road in this town one day, and this guy is coming towards us, and he's got emblazoned on his front. Uh, Don't give up on me. Don't give up on me. So we think it's the name of a pop group or something we've not heard of. The answer comes when he walks past us, and on the back it says, God's not finished with me yet. Mm. So that, again, is one of those little uh, things that you think that exactly that's what God is at work. He's, he's purposed to do a good work in us. Yeah, yeah. It's not our place as yeah. pastors to write people off. No, no. Uh, I guess what I'm talking about, what Andrew was talking about, was in terms of um, making sure you're investing giving a yes, priority yeah, to invest yeah. in people. It's not to give up on other people. No, no. And it is, it's but at that. the same time, it is to expect, isn't it, that you, you go on dealing with an issue where somebody's unrepentant about it. There's no point. I've got yeah, I mean, there is a shaking of the dust off yeah. the feet, isn't there? You know, we, yeah. we've got limited resources. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, not, we're, we're finite. And so we've got to be wise in how we deploy those mm. resources. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, you've, you've been in ministry a long time, Um how have you how have you kept going you know i i ask that because you know there are great encouragements in ministry there are discouragements too aren't there and it must feel at times like you're just plodding away plodding away what keeps you going trevor what gets you out of bed in the morning well val does she generally k- kicks me out <laughs> okay. that's no, the value of a good wife i have no option uh, <laughs> go down and get our breakfast so um I, I may be a bit odd here but I came into ministry in my mid-30s. Right. I, I left school at 16, um, trained as a child surveyor, um, left a, a business to go into ministry when I was in my mid-30s. And always um, from that point, 
felt it a huge privilege mm. uh, and a passion. I think it was my heart passion as well. So I really missed business. It was it was I, mean, I missed all the cut and thrust of that. But um, I've always felt this to be something um, just just a huge privilege. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the second thing is, is is Val. Val has kept me going in it, and thirdly, having good friends around. I think that's um, uh, at Chesington. We were blessed with with. I was in a team ministry with John Tyndall. We enlarged that team. Others joined us. Uh, we had a, an eldership, which was kind of like a band of brothers. Yeah. Um, we were greatly helped by. Um, a guy who came in to help us as a uh, who, who did this kind of thing of, of looking at sort of leadership and having spent time with us at meetings and individually, he 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 said this. Um, you're obviously you know you've got plenty of energy and vision and that kind of thing between you, uh, but are you good friends? And do the congregation see that you're good friends? And uh, we thought we were, but he he made the suggestion that actually we restructure our elders meetings which we did, so that we would meet at 6, 6.30 and have a meal together for an hour. During that time, somebody would talk about what was going on in their life at that point in time. We would then pray together for an hour, not simply for one another, but for the congregation. And then we would restrict the business to two hours. And over a period of time, that um, really, I think, transformed our relationships together. And he made the point at the outset of this, he said, the Believe me, the congregation will see it. Because you know, we were saying, well, they're not sat in the yeah, yeah, meetings. Yeah, How are they going yeah, to see it? Yeah. He said, they'll see it. They'll see it. And I think that um, relational aspect. Um, that, now, I had the great privilege of being in a team and have always been in a team. And I'm very mindful of uh, men and uh, their wives that are in sort of soul pastorate and that kind of thing. So... I always want to encourage them to find those friendships either within the church. I don't go along with the thing about you can't find good friends yeah, within the no. church. You're part of a family together. Of course you can. But you can also find them outside, nearby, and so on, uh, or not so near. Um, so however you construct it, make sure that you've got people around you that are in your life, that are encouraging you. Um, and that it, it is it, that's the thing I think um, – Humanly speaking, that kind of sustains yeah, one yeah. That, that, that thing. So, I've I've always found, even in, in the hardest times, um, it, it never been despairing. Uh, now, you know, and I've been blessed in that. I mean, mm. that's mm. a mercy from so God. So, friend, friendships do make a big difference to that, don't they? And that's interesting what you're saying. I, I think you're absolutely right. It, it does seem to me that so many elderships seem to function like a. a having a business colleague and and i i think you know churches there seem to be more and more business to deal with as elders you know we've got to be thinking about safeguarding all the time we've got to be thinking about policies we've got to be thinking about all kinds of different things and you think where are we going to squeeze it in taking time out to to build trust essentially and build friendships it feels like is that time we're going to you know not have to spend on all these other things but it does pay dividends doesn't it because actually you make decisions more it's more straightforward to make decisions. You know how the other people are thinking when it comes to big subjects. So actually, it does pay dividends to invest. It does. And I think it reflects the one another's of the New yeah. Testament. Huge yeah. amount of one anothering, isn't there, in the New Testament that yeah. we we need to um, be, be taking seriously. And I, I think too much of our business is kind of um, functional when it needs yeah. to be relational. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Can we go back to the, the privilege? Um, I'm interested in what you... you 
say there, I've, I've just been doing a bit of work on um, just thinking about uh, training up new leaders and, and really setting before them, I think, the two things that the New Testament holds in tension, which is that Christian ministry is both huge privilege. You know, whoever desires a task of a, an overseer desires a noble task, a good task, but also there's, there's a burden to it. You know, Paul thinks about the churches he has responsibility for. I know, I know he's an apostle, but he, he thinks about the churches daily. You know, he, he he sheds tears for them. You know, there's a real burden there, isn't there, in ministry when we see people reject the gospel or turn away from Christ. And and, and I wonder, actually, if one of the, the, the little situations we're getting ourselves in now is that we've lost sight of the privilege of ministry. It's all burden to us. It's all cost. <laughs> and actually, that's not sustainable. If you, if you just have that vision of ministry, it's it's not sustainable. E- equally, if you think that uh, that Christian ministry is just going to be a joy and there aren't going to be any heartaches, you'll be set up for a lifetime of disappointment. So we've got to keep the privilege ahead of us, haven't we, the joy ahead of us, and be realistic about the burden that it is. Isn't that right? Absolutely. I think the link in that, Adrian, is, as in Paul's life, it's the issue of grace. Yeah. Um, it seems in the New Testament he could hardly write a sentence or two without talking about grace, could mm. he? So he thought about him, the grace that he had received, which was the motivation, the privilege, yeah. the apostle yeah. to the Gentiles. But when he was um, in tears and agony uh, over situations and people, nevertheless, he was not um, despondent in the sense of just despairing because he looked to the grace of God to be at work in people's lives and an expectation of that. Um, And he had that generosity of heart, didn't he? I think that um, you see there in Philippians where he's kind of those that were preaching stirring up trouble yeah, for yeah, him. Yeah. And he, he says, what's it matter? Yeah, the gospel's yeah. being preached. Yeah. It's about the kingdom. And therefore, I think um, it may be as a function of dis- disposition, personality, this kind of thing. But uh, for me, I, I loved business. I loved the business world. I still do. Um, but there was this sense of this this calling um, and this. Is the business world uh, is the business world poorer for you having gone into ministry, or are we better? <laughs> don't answer that. No. Don't answer that. I know exactly what you mean. Yes, so you are giving something up to, to, to go into ministry. There's, yes. there's a cost in that sense as well, yes. isn't there? Yeah. Can we just talk a little bit about partnership again? So can I just tell a little story yeah, about that? Yeah. One of the guys depends how long the story yeah, is. Trail. One of the yeah. guys I worked for, um, delightful Jewish man, a property developer. Uh, very successful, built up a chain of um, cash chemists, sold out to Boots and this sort of thing. And um, when he heard that I was going into ministry, um, he rang me up and he said, oh, Trevor, you're only doing it for the money. He said, you know, it's like these American evangelists who are doing it for the money. But then he got serious. He said, do you know, um, I do envy you because you know what you want to do. Mm. Now, here's a guy who was about 50. He had more money. In today's terms, he was a billionaire than you could ever need. And uh, yet he, he was honest enough to, to recognize that. I mean, he went on to offer me, uh, he said, if you ever need money uh, for a Christian project, give me, give me a call. Um, Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Yeah. So that, I think that kind of reinforces this, this sense of um, this, is, this is what yeah, God has yeah. called me to. I don't, I don't know many people who come to the end of a ministry most of whom could have earned more money in the secular world. I don't, I don't know many people who come to the end of ministry and say, "Well, uh, if only, I, if only I'd earn more money." <laughs> no. you know, it's, it's not. It's not an equation, is it? It's not even part of that. And God has been so good to us. I yeah. mean, we've, yeah. uh, you know, where we live, 
the part of the world we live in, not only at the time that we live in. I mean, materially, uh, we're millionaires on the world scale, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. And we, God has always provided for us mm. and abundantly, mm. and he will do. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about partnerships, Trevor. You're, you're a great um, uh, champion of, of partnerships. And uh, we're talking about, we, we talked about relationships within the church, how, you know, a, a happy working environment is to see fellow elders as brothers and, and not just as co-workers in that sense. Let's just talk a little bit about partnership outside of the local church, because you've, you've modelled that. You've been a champion of, of developing, you know, meaningful partnerships locally and, and nationally. How, how's, how did that work for you locally? When, you, when you're in Chessington, what did, what did that look like? You know, you had a growing church, could have occupied all your time, but you didn't give all your time to it, did you? Gave a little bit of time to other things that were going on outside. But why was that and what did it look like? I think it was, again, was a kind of um, kingdom perspective. Um, so one of the very formative things for both John Tyndall and I was to be uh, released to go and visit uh, our folk who have gone as missionaries and so on. And you know this, Adrian, when you go to another country, another continent, you see, um, you see the flaws in your own culture yeah. and the barriers that yeah. very often as Christians we put in the way of people hearing the gospel. So that had a very transformative effect on both John and I when we thought about church and how we were going to uh, think about the development of the King Center and things like that. But in locally, um, we had the opportunity. We had a we had a one of our elders was a guy called Ian Fry, and um, he he had a heart to reach into the school. So uh, over eight, a period of eighteen months, he and I travelled around about twelve local evangelically minded churches in the borough of Kingston, and cast the vision for them of having a schools worker in Kingston, uh, which they got behind. So twelve churches. Brethren, Evangelical, Anglican, um, Baptist, Free Churches, uh, Charismatic Churches got behind that. Uh, we set up a trust, got that going. Now, that was 30, 35 years ago now. Today, there are five workers working for wow. that trust. Wow, wow. And um, it's just um, – but it's relational. It, yeah. It, yeah. it was built very much on relationships, and we gathered – a board, one member from every church, who became very invested in the work and became mm -hmm. advocates for it back into their home churches. And there was a, a genuine excitement, and it is to this day, of um, this is something we can do together as mm -hmm. churches. Mm -hmm. And it's back to that thing. It's just not simply about our ch local church. It's about the kingdom, the kingdom in our area, the kingdom in the nation, the kingdom yeah. internationally. Yeah. I think it was... Um, a guy called Andrew Murray, who had the quote, which is along the lines that every, the church of the pastor of every local church, however small, uh, should have the ambition to see the gospel grow locally, nationally, internationally. He based that on Acts 1 8, obviously, that first church in Jerusalem that had that kind of mandate. And uh, I think that became part of our DNA, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that idea of what we can do far more together mm. than we can do in isolation. Let's pick up in a moment uh, that. So I'm interested in that um, locally, nationally, internationally. I think in all of those areas, you've, you've been a bit of a risk taker. Um, you know, you talk about um, big, hairy, audacious um, goals. Um, I know you like that phrase. Um, let's talk about locally. I mean, building the King Centre, that was a big step, wasn't it? I came to the opening of the King Centre. I don't know if you knew that or not. I came to the opening of the King Centre. I had chicken pox. I wasn't very well, but I remember Cliff Richard. Oh, that's why I went down with it. Yeah, probably. I, yeah, I probably passed it I, on. All these years, I've been wondering um, why I was so ill. I remember, I, did Dick preach? 
Dick who, Preach. Dick Preach and Cliff Richard. His, We've got his, Cliff Richard to open D- it. Dick is the sort of, Dick Lucas is his um, Cliff Richard fanboy, obviously. Yes. And, <laughs> and so Cliff Richard opened it. Did he come in by helicopter or something? Or I no, no. He, he turned up my car. And uh, the lovely what, thing what is... What was the vision? So don't tell me the story about Cliff Richard. I don't want to know. Um, but I do want to hear about the King Centre. What was the vision behind it? Well, the vision behind it was simply, as I go back to these uh, visits abroad. Yeah. I was going to India. Uh, John was going to Southeast Asia. You, you see the strengths and weaknesses and what we've exported. Yeah. But yeah. when we thought about our own situation, this would have been 1980s uh, in London, in England, in what was becoming a post-Christian yes. society, yeah. and asking ourselves the question, what are the barriers that we put in the way of people coming to church? Yeah. And that could be simply the way we dress up mm. on a Sunday, or it, it could be more especially... Uh, the expectation that we have, the lack of accessibility and so yeah, on. Yeah. So uh, we'd outgrown, um, in God's goodness, the small building that we were in that could contain about 120 people in a place called Parbury Rise. And the opportunity arose for um, a man called Mark Jilks, who was Director of Development at Kingston, who unbeknown to me was a Methodist lay preacher, okay, okay. rang me up one day and said, Trevor, I know you've been looking for land. Uh, we've got this redevelopment going on on what is called the RAF Chesington mm. base, which was a hospital unit. Right, okay. Um, and it's being sold off for property development. And on it, as a planning condition, two acres were being given back to the community. On one acre, there was going to be a sports hall. The other acre could be used as a church. He mm. said, would you like the other acre? Uh, within a week, we went back to him and said, no, we'd like both acres. And uh, we'd like to incorporate the sports hall into a multi-purpose, multifaceted church community centre, mm. which would be owned, run by the church. Yeah. Um, and uh, he kind of captured that vision. Uh, and so, this, is, this is at a time when people were building classic, still building classic church buildings. Yes. They yeah. weren't thinking, I mean, nowadays people do think out of the box a bit more, but then yeah. th- that wasn't the case. It wasn't. And there was nothing like it in the country. No. So we were four years in the planning of it. And I was working very closely uh, with Mark uh, on this. And in God's providence and provision, we would have never done it without him. He steered us through all the political machinations that we needed to. So we were four years in the planning, just a year in the building. So at the end of the day, the the developer, instead of building the sports building, contributed £900,000 towards the building of the King Centre which actually became about a million pounds with interest payments and so on. Um, the church raised a million and a half pound, partly selling off our old previous building, but that was only mm-hmm. 150, no, 250,000, mainly just the church giving sacrificially. Uh, so we opened, and that, that you came to, debt-free. So yeah. it cost yeah. 2.4 million. But the whole heart behind it was to make uh, access for the gospel, into the community and for the community. So under the roof of the King's Centre, we would do all the things that we do as church, run all our meetings there. Uh, We would secondly make it available for the community to come in and hire and use it um, and a whole raft of businesses and colleges and individuals would come and do that. But the main thing was actually we started a raft of ministries um, which were kind of bridge builders. Mm. So if, if a person had a hobby, had an interest, Um, then we would start a ministry around that that would be offering something, whether it was 
learning English for for folk from other countries, whether it's coming to play five-a-side football, badminton, uh, all the stuff that churches do by way of children's clubs and all the yeah, rest of it. Yeah. Um, and those those became, the idea of that was that they would become the bridges by which people would come and hear the gospel. Now, the remarkable thing was that um, over the over the ensuing 10 years of that, that was 25, 27 years ago now, um, we, we expected, expected a kind of that God would bless us with a huge expansion of the church. Um, that didn't happen in quite the same way. But what happened in God's provision, there were about 12 people, 12 couples that God raised up um, who the church got behind and sent into ministry and were in ministry today around the country. Uh, and so the growth locally was actually much smaller. Today it's really fascinating because um, – that was just showing me uh, yesterday a list of people that are currently coming to do a kind of just um, hope explored. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And there's there's about twenty people, which are that would have very little church connection, who are beginning to come in, coming in on a Sunday, um, and so that aspect is happening. Yeah. But it's not. It's in God's timing yeah. as it's happened. It's, it, it's- so encouraging to hear. You've touched a little bit on sort of the international side as well. Let's just talk national. We're, ru- we're slightly running out of time, but I'm interested in how you've begun to say there how Chessington really had an impact nationally by sending people out into ministry. You, you've always been a great champion of, of, of national connections. Um, you've worked for the FIC, obviously, so you're, you're, you're keen on that, I guess. I guess it's more than just a salary, isn't it? You're, you're keen on it. But what's the value to the local church of national partnership? Well, I, that's what I keep pressing upon people. It's, it's so easy in local church ministry to become um, incredibly inward-looking. I mean, you could fill all your time, right, with stuff in yeah. church. So I always say to, to guys, you must get an outside gospel interest because yeah. it will raise your horizon, whether it's – somewhere else locally, whether it's nationally, whether it's internationally, but that whole thing, and that will filter through to the church. Um, It just will happen because you will begin to share those things with the church. But it's it's just a very strong way of reminding ourselves we are, uh, in this instance, a fellowship of churches and that the independency is is a theological statement it's it's not to be it's not a relational statement not, no no not so, in, in the sense and of how we, we are to be others. we are to be uh, churches together because we can do far more together so i find it very exciting these days to find churches like banstead near us yep. having yep. a connection with medhurst ministries yeah, in yeah. middlesbrough uh, church there um Gunnersbury that has connection with Everton. Mm. These things are going on and they wouldn't happen. The ministry in those places wouldn't happen anywhere near as effectively as they are without the support of other churches. So it's just this simple thing. We do far more for the kingdom together than ever we do in yeah. isolation. And yeah. it's, it's to have that heart and perspective, isn't it, that we have a nation that's in dire need of the gospel and we see that on our doorstep and we can feel overwhelmed by that but also let's not forget that god is a go where the spirit is well indeed i was going to say that sounds like go where the spirit is at work you know there's there's a huge mission field out there isn't it trevor thank you very much um sadly we run out of time so i can't ask you if your favorite joke 
um, which is just that's a, that's a real loss. We'll we'll maybe put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, but Trevor, um, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but you've you've been a great help to me over the years in ministry, a great encouragement to me, and uh, I know to many others. And um, you know, it's important, isn't it, to to give honour? I think where honour is due. So without wanting to give you too big a head, um, I'm thanking God for you. Oh. And and for many years of service, and I know you'll go on serving just because you're not paid to do it doesn't mean you'll stop serving. I know you'll go on. So praise God for you and, and Val and all the all the things you've done over the years. I think even when I was starting as a very young pastor, and the reason I came to the opening at Chessington was because I, you know, you've been an influence on me, and I'm very thankful to God for you. And um, I think there are there are lots of guys who, who that's that's their testimony. So bless praise you. God for that. Bless you. Praise and God. thank you very much, Trevor. And this has been Independence. If you've enjoyed the podcast, do rate and review us because it helps people to find us. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks, Adrian. Bless you. Bless you.